Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thomas, Matt, we are tied 2-2 two two with the 76ers. The Raptors escape with a narrow victory in a game that was kind of a drag-out fight. Kawhi Leonard drops 39. The Raptors run basically a six-man rotation and squeak out a victory, live to fight another day. Matt, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? You know what? It's it's funny. The odds were stacked against us. We The expectations were low. The team wasn't playing well as a team, as a unit. Tony Brothers and Mark Davis were refing the game, but somehow we squeaked out a win, and I think that really is a testament to the just playoff toughness of most of the veterans on this team. And uh, you know what? Let's let's credit Nick Nurse with making some adjustments and some tough decisions that he had to make to win the game as well. Thomas, what was your biggest takeaway from the game? For me, I'd probably go with the fact that Nick Nurse brought it down to a six-man rotation. Obviously, we've seen Fred Van Fleet struggle a lot. Norman Powell had a decent game in game three, but really Serge Ibaka was the one who stepped up tonight in the six-man rotation. Siakam was obviously injured. He played 28 minutes. He was clearly suffering, but bringing Serge really worked. Um, the Raptors went big for a while. Late in the game as well, it paid off. Yeah, I, Serge Ibaka's play was a big shock to me. He finishes the game with 12.6 of 12 shooting. Uh, defensively, I thought he did a really good job. Not only he, I mean, he survived, I think, on Tobias Harris. I wouldn't say he thrived out there. But really, as a help defender in there, his added size and kind of rim-protecting ability was a big addition for the Raptors. Matt, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from watching Surgeon? What do you think that he did so well this game that he hasn't done in the past? I think, I well, I think, you know, there's there, there's two things I really want to highlight. I think for Serge, um, almost having Gasol out there in, in a series like this, right, where there are bigger players and rebounding is really suffering. It allowed him to still play that natural big in the post while still utilizing some of his speed to the advantage of the team. I think, uh, I think the two, the, the, the two big man rotation kind of works against the 76ers for short stretches and can really help in terms of getting those rebounds. I think as well, just his overall aggressiveness, right. And just how he was moving around the court really helped him, uh, uh, just establish himself and be, and be that almost energy guy that you want to see come off the bench to provide that extra presence. And then, uh, you, you, you know, as, well right he 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 didn't let those and blocks get to him in the first in the first half and he just he, he just all around brought the energy that i think the team desperately needed because i mean look at look, look at our main guns right Kawhi, mark danny and kyle they were all playing mega minutes so you know to have to have somebody come in with those fresh legs i think was really important 
Well, they did a great job of putting the the 76ers put Embiid on Gasol when it was those two in the game, which I disagree with. I would have kept him on Serge Ibaka. But the Raptors did a great job of playing that two-man high game where they put Gasol on the outside. He fed Serge Ibaka down in the post. Serge doesn't have a great post-up game, but you know he's got a decent little hook shot in there. And his post game, like I said, isn't great, but it's good enough to take care of Tobias Harris. And I think kind of moving forward, depending on the health of Pascal Siakam, and even if he's healthy, I think Serge is going to have to get 25 to 30 minutes moving forward. He was too impactful in this game, and it wasn't like a crazy shooting performance out of him. He was getting good shots and making good shots. Thomas, do you think that he's going to have to play 20-plus minutes if we're kind of looking forward here? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, obviously, in short stretches, the big rotation does work. It, it definitely worked tonight, especially down the stretch. Right, but and 25 minutes is probably where I'd put Ibaka just now. Obviously, Siakam would hopefully be healthy for Game 5, so you're looking 35, 38 minutes if he's not fully healthy. But, yes, um, Ibaka playing big minutes does seem like something that should work. Right, and where are they going to get the minutes kind of outside of Ibaka for the bench unit? Fred Van Vliet, you know, he plays seven minutes. He's 0 of 2 tonight. I just, I don't have words for Fred Van Vliet. I keep thinking that he's going to bounce back and have a big performance. He doesn't every time, and it's gotten to the point where I don't think you can play him the rest of the series. Um, Thomas, do you think he's a coach's DMP or at least under five minutes in the next game? I would still play him around 10 minutes. The thing is... He can play off the ball, but every time he seems to be in the game, he seems to have the ball in his hands. And then there's 15 minutes, sorry, 15 seconds of dribbling, and then the play just collapses. So if he plays, 10 minutes for me would make sense, but it needs to be off the ball. It needs to be off the ball with, if it's Kawhi running point, if it's Carl running point, it can't be Fred, though. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If he's playing off the ball... He at least gives you the kind of the most threat as a jump shooter out of the guys in the backup unit. Um, Patrick McCall is no threat. I mean, Norman Paul's probably similar, but he's not as good of a shooter as Fred. And Fred's been okay in this series defensively. I know I probably get a pushback from most people. I think he's been decent at chasing JJ around those screens. I don't think he's been excellent, but I think he's been okay on the defensive end. Matt, you think that it should be a coach's DMP? For Fred VanVleet, correct? <laughs> I think. Oh my God, Mike is. For those who don't know, Mike is referencing to my rant that I had in our Raptors Rapture Slack group after the third game. When I, I'm, you know, I let myself get it too emotional, guys. I know, I know, rough. I did. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, you, you know, for me, it's tough, right? Like, I, I, I look at his impact and I look how he's a getting attacked, b you know, holding the ball too much. And I think Thomas said it beautifully that the the movement is is just not there. And, and, and Mike, I really like what you said about, like, you know, him being a jump shooter. I think him, if we're going to have to have him in the game to either A, uh, you know, consume some, some rest minutes so that he can get, so he can be out there on the floor – put him in the corners right and see what happens if it's drawing a defender away from the from the paint then so be it but um you know van vliet van vliet in seven minutes was a minus six and mccaw at least got a rebound and an assist and i know it's tough right and mccaw is obviously no offensive threat it's just fred fred fred's play has just so hurt me you know that it's it, it it's tough, especially with someone with a with with o, with with OG out. It would be so helpful to have his his scoring punch in there, but 
it's it's just not there unfortunately and i wonder if it's because of his height and and, and if he's going becoming less neutralized as the series go on i think the raptors bench can be perfectly summed up by the sentence of he at least got a rebound and an assist <laughs> had a steal as well. I'm sorry, but he had a steal. <laughs> oh yes, he did have a steal. Yeah, Van Fleet had a steal. Uh, yeah, no, it's been terrible. Um, Matt, if it were you and you had to go between Fred, McCall, or Powell, which one would you go with? I would go with Powell. He's he's at least a little bit bigger, a little bit quicker. His his offense has been spotty at times, but he has hit a few threes. Um, that would be my pick. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think. Patrick can maybe survive out there as long as you don't have Embiid. The problem is, to me, if you have McCall sharing the floor with Embiid, and they're going to be playing so few minutes, maybe you can just mirror them anyways. But if you have McCall and Embiid on the floor at the same time, you just if you're the 76ers, you just put Embiid on McCall and let him roam the paint um, kind of freely there. So I think that's a pairing that could give the Raptors a lot of trouble. But you're right. I think Powell is probably the best option with maybe Fred sprinkling in some minutes. I would expect them to go really heavily with the six players that played the most in this game and kind of just ride that out for the rest of the series. It's going to be a tough way to kind of grind it out, but that's what this series has been. It's been a defensive battle between the two teams and a struggle for offense. Matt, what do you think the Raptors can kind of do to get someone else going besides Kawhi Leonard? Obviously, Mark had a better game. Kyle had a better game, but still nobody had more than 17 points. Kawhi scored 39 and the Raptors barely crossed 100. How can you get other people involved? Yeah, I think um, it, it, this is going to sound a little like obvious, but I think a few more sets or a few more sprinkled in um, uh, plays to go within to go within the motion offense. And I think the reason why is because I I still think the chatter is in some of the players' heads, like Danny and Kyle, a little bit. And I would love to see like a twenty-five point game from Danny. I think that would just really, you know, spark this team. So you know, a few sets to get Danny either open in the corner or 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 even just a few cuts to the hoop to get him to get him going to see the ball go into the hoop a little bit. I think I think. You know, and we really haven't seen this from Danny Green because he is a champion and he is a winner and he's been successful at every level. I feel like he, I feel like the chatter is getting to him a little bit. So I think for me, run a few more sets for him. Uh, try to get, you know, for Gasol, get a few more switches, right? Like get him, get him in some mismatches to try to get him some, uh, uh, you know, opportunities in the paint against smaller players if, if Philadelphia is brave enough to do that. And, uh, you know, for Lowry, I just think he. I think just encourage him to be aggressive. I thought he was a little. I thought he was great at being aggressive and getting into the paint today and and trying to get that ball movement back. And we saw just a sprinkle of more of that ball movement than we have in the previous two games when they look when their offense just looked dead. So I think for those three players, that's what I would do to really spark them going. I think Ibaka is good at just being the energy guy and getting finding his own within the flow of the game. Yeah, I don't think Ibaka is someone that you really need to draw plays up for. Maybe a couple more of those high low actions where he seals against Harris. Like he scored. Um, Lowry was five of seven from two point range, to your point about getting into the paint. Or I'm sorry, four of seven from two point range. So that gets to your point about him being aggressive, attacking the hoop. And he still hasn't shooting the ball well, and we'll have to see him shoot the ball better if we want the Raptors to kind of generate offense besides Kawhi. Tom, or Thomas, what would you do kind of to free up a couple Raptors for some easy buckets? Yeah, so just looking at it now, Danny Green had four field goal attempts. I know a lot of his play came inside the post as well. Maybe we do see more of those switches where he attacks Redick in the post. I mean, we didn't see it an awful lot, but I think that's something that could definitely work. Um, with a backer as well, it worked really well with the pick and roll of Larry tonight. He's a great rim runner. 
So I would probably go to that as well. We've seen it work time and time again. If it's a pick and pop as well, who knows? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, the one thing the 76ers, I think, did have success with is they sent a hard blitz at Kawhi or sent a hard double towards him. Kawhi, for all his strengths, still isn't a great playmaker. A lot of times when they send that blitz over, they send the guy from the weak side to kind of steal that first pass, and Kawhi isn't able to make that read for the long skip pass, and he finished the game with seven turnovers and really was the only Raptor who consistently turned the ball over this game. They finished with 13 as a team, and he had seven of them. So that's something that Toronto will have to kind of tighten up here. Um, defensively, the Raptors have been good. The One of the biggest things that I've noticed so far is slowing down Joel Embiid. Besides that game three, he's been pretty dreadful in this series. He finishes tonight with 11 points on 207 shooting, um, missed a couple of critical free throws in the fourth quarter. Matt, what do you think's been part of how have they been so successful in stopping Joel Embiid? Honestly, you know, in the um in in game three, the game that was just the blowout for the 76ers, they let Embiid really pick his spots, right? Like he hit he hit a few threes in there and 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 really he was set, right? Like Embiid was set and he knew he was gonna shoot it. But I think what's I think the, you know the more damaging is in the post when he finds those spots in those positions. And I think the first game games one, even game two and game and game uh, this game, game four, they pushed them off the post just enough, right, to to make it uncomfortable or to allow that extra second for the help defender to either get to him or get back. Also, as well, I think that, um, you know, in game three, they, I don't know what was going on with the communication, but uh, Embiid was able to get into the post and and cut and do cuts and, and and really once he's moving like a freight train like that, he is hard to stop. So I think. Really, it's roughing him and keeping him off of his spots, and and not and you know Gasol, Ibaka, whomever's guarding him. If it's a switch, not really leaving him, right? Like 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 you can leave the other players. Like Ben Simmons is. Uh, defender can help at, at points or so can JJ Reddick's you know and and really pick your spots but I do think that keeping close to him roughing him off of his roughing him off of his position is a key to his whole game I think one of the things that kind of stood out to me this game is the additional bodies of having big guys like Serge Ibaka and sometimes Pascal at small forward was really impactful on him and just having the extra kind of space crowded around the rim Thomas did you find that the Raptors' personnel in this game and going bigger than in most games was kind of effective in stopping Joel Embiid? I think so. Another small thing I noticed as well, just small nuances. As before, game uh, game three, sorry, we saw Serge Ibaka bite a lot, obviously. Embiid was hanging around the perimeter, picks up the ball. He made three of three from three-point range in that game. This game, he was... 0 of 1. He was 0 of 1. 0 of 1, yeah, so... They were forcing him to run and attack the rim. And then by that point, Gasol's in there, Siakam's in there as well. So there's a lot of bodies around him. I think forcing him to drive with the ball in his hands is something that could work really well. Yeah, and obviously Joel Embiid isn't going to shoot like he did in Game 3 every night. And But keeping him off the line and kind of making him play with more bodies around him is a big edge. Um, one area where Philly kind of struggled offensively is creating offense besides Jimmy Butler, and that includes Tobias Harris. Matt, what do you think went wrong for Tobias Harris? Can the Raptors, do the Raptors need to kind of tighten up on him if they expect him to go uh, kind of struggle like this moving forward? He's 2 of 13 from 3 and really struggled in this one. Um, Do you think the Raptors are doing a great job defensively, or do you just see him missing shots? 
I think I, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I was uh, I was going to bring up this point at some point, but Tobias Harris has just disappointed me a little bit. I think in this playoffs, and I think it might be a little bit of him. Um, however, I think one of the keys to beating the team overall is that. Um, uh, Mike, I think you said it before that it feels like Embiid has been more impactful in the overall series than he actually has been because his game three performance was so good. And, you know, Ben Simmons has been pretty quiet for the most part as well. Um, you know, been active on the glass and doing Ben Simmons things. But, I mean, it's another argument if Ben Simmons can be effective in the playoffs without, you know, being a jump shot threat. But I think the, the really the big keys are in Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, right? If you have both of them going off, right? And, and and being dominant, then it's they're hard to stop, right? Because then that also opens up more opportunities for Simmons and Embiid. Uh, I would le- definitely love them to 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 see them shut down Jimmy Butler a little bit more. And I think the reason why, and I think I would focus more on Jimmy Butler in Game Five, is that uh, Tobias is kind of doing it to himself. Like I said before, like he just has he hasn't been hitting open shots. He he hasn't been as aggressive as I as I've seen him in the past. And I would like to you know if, if I'm if I'm a Philly fan, I'd like to see a little bit more from Tobias Harris. But as a Raptors fan, I'd like to see them shut down Jimmy a little bit more, give him a little bit more focus, and not let Tobias. If, if Tobias isn't going to get going himself, then that's great, and then that gives us more opportunities to focus on Jimmy. Yeah, I think that the Raptors did an okay job on Tobias Harris, but like you said, Matt, I think a lot of it just came down to the Tobias missing shots. He was 2 of 13 from 3. He missed quite a few open shots, particularly in the fourth corner and a couple in the corner. Thomas, what can the Raptors do to slow down Jimmy Butler? As Matt talked about, he's had a pretty good series though so far and kind of been the main offensive force for Toronto, or for Philadelphia throughout these four games. I think that me, so far, he's been very good in the pick and roll with Joel Embiid. Obviously, he's 42% tonight from 3. I think for me, you probably keep forcing him to take those shots. He's a streaky shooter. Maybe go under him on a screen. Force Kawhi to him a lot more. I mean, I'd rather see Kawhi obviously have a great offensive performance, but if it takes off the offensive performance and therefore he's a little bit better on defense, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, he, Jimmy's hit kind of a difficult diet of shots. He's hit a lot of step backs. Obviously, that three-point sh- bank shot was... You know, I'll say this. Yeah. It, it was obviously a lucky shot, and that's not something that he meant to bank. But to have the presence of mind and the ability to even get that close to the hoop was pretty impressive. And I think, you know, kind of an underrated aspect that he was able to, amid all the mess, find a way to square his body, fire it, and at least get it online. Now, obviously, he didn't mean to bank it, but I thought that was a pretty impressive play from him. Um, Matt. One area where the Raptors are continuing to struggle, and even in this win, I didn't feel great about their performance, is on the on the glass. And they went big, and it was really amazing. Even with Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam, and Marcus Gasol all on the floor, they still couldn't seem to grab a defensive rebound. What What is going on with the Raptors' defensive rebounding? What do they need to do better? Oh, man. It is, it is my biggest concern right now, for sure. Um, I mean... Embiid, Embiid is such a threat, right? Um, that it's tough because if you send more bodies at Embiid when the when the board's going up, they, I mean, somebody can jump in and grab that grab that rebound. I think, to be honest with you, um, especially especially on the defensive end, 
just finding a body, right? There, I do see plenty of times where one or two players aren't necessarily finding a body or not diving to the diving to the hoop as quickly as they can. Having having those extra bodies in there is really important, and um, and, and I mean it just prevents players because it's one thing that you really only see in the nba compared to other uh, other leagues especially in terms of rebounding is the tip out right like there's so much tipping out because everybody can jump and everybody's so tall um that it that, that for a lot of players it makes more sense to tip it out right because your players are more on the perimeter but i think finding a body even on the perimeter is really important as well so uh you know it's kind of a classic motif of just hit hit, hit a body right but for someone like van vliet who's so small and has been so ineffective and his size is really uh, hindering him in this entire series, right? If he's out there, find J.J. Redick, put a body on him because I see J.J. Redick constantly getting tip-outs from Embiid or from uh, Ben Simmons. And, and and then, I mean, you know, for someone like Ben Simmons, right, just getting a body on that guy because that guy is such a good rebounder and such a streaky rebounder. So I think it's just more of a straight-up approach that they need to take and, you know, you know, just get because that also gets players out of position, and hopefully you get a over the back foul and and take it from there. But over the back fouls are just as good as getting a defensive board in the end. Thomas, the Raptors have been pretty successful in transition offense, and obviously Philly's kind of been locking in here defensively. Do you think that the Raptors would you be willing to give up some of that transition offense to secure the glass, or do you think they have to kind of continue to leak out if they want to be successful on the other end of the court? One of the things, obviously, it's been our motif for most of the season is that they have been one of the better fast-break teams in the league. But when you're being killed in the glass consistently, I think you kind of need to give a little bit up. If it means we're not seeing Siakam run down the court as much as often, I can take that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's something... Philly's been so struggled for points so far this series that if you're even able to hinder their offense a little bit more, that puts them into the 80s. And, you know, it's not impossible to win a game in the 80s, but to win two more is going to be difficult for Philadelphia. Um, Matt, one thing the Raptors did really well kind of in this final stretch of this game is consistently just hit Kawhi Gasol pick and roll after pick and roll. Is that something that you're hoping to see more of as we kind of head into game five, or do you think – that that was a result of clutch time offense and that they can need to continue to run their sets more than try to rely on that one play. I mean, I mean, I think that it's a set that you need, especially if you've had a drought of a, of like, let's say three or four possessions, right? Kawhi and Gasol are fantastic players and they're both so brilliantly smart that, you know, they can do so much with that pick and roll. And, and and you've seen it different times, right? One time they leak out, one time they crash, one time they do this, right? And um, I mean, this is a new this is a new series, right? And there's new life within this team. And we can confidently say again that the more pick and rolls that they get and the more it's just swings at the can that they get, the more comfortable they're gonna be with it potentially going forward they need to utilize that. So I don't wanna see them just hammer it home, but there's a lot that can be created out of it, so if there's more of it, I'm okay with that because Gasol is, you know, Gasol, is, Gasol especially is such a smart player that he's gonna either get others involved, and I mean, you rarely see Gasol make the wrong decision. So having someone that smart in the pick and roll, I, I'm okay with more of it. Thomas, what would be your biggest kind of change here moving into Game Five? We've gotten two game, two Raptors wins, two 76ers wins, two close games, and two blowouts or blowout-ish games. What what do you think we've learned from the series so far that you think the Raptors need to change heading into five? 
personally, I think it'd probably be how we handled today, cutting down the rotations to seven men. Uh, I probably would like to see a bit more Fred Fanfleet. I know that Matt's not going to be happy with me saying <laughs> but I think the ability for us to stretch the court is still something that's too invaluable not to go to. Fred doesn't need the ball in his hands, but we've seen he was a 41% shooter once he came back from the All-Star break. The same with Carl Lowry. Obviously, he struggled in shooting streaks this season. He was 33% tonight, but we've seen him do it time and time again. Matt, what would be your biggest kind of change here? Uh, you know what? I'm going to take I'm going to take a different approach. I'm actually going to say I'd like to see a little bit more Norm. I think that uh, you know he's at least proven himself on the defensive end to to do that a little uh, to do that a little bit more. And I think that Fred is so struggling with the three with the three anyway that you know Norm and Fred are kind of a toss up in that area. Uh, that I don't mind I, I don't mind giving up perhaps a little bit lower basketball IQ for a little bit more athleticism, height, and potential three point shooting. One matchup that that's something with the rotation. Are there any matchup changes you would see? I think in the fourth quarter here we saw. Uh, Kawhi Leonard try to take over Jimmy Butler. He wasn't particularly effective handling Butler in the fourth, uh, despite his reputation. And he made a great play that was called a foul um, late in the game, but I don't think Jimmy Butler was any less effective in the fourth than he was early on. Matt, are there any kind of matchup tweaks that you'd like to see? You know what? I, I, I actually think you raised a good point there, Mike. I think that I would actually put um, Kawhi on Jimmy a little bit more. Jimmy has proven to be I mean, I mean, I mean, I'll say this: probably the most effective player in this series. Um, but I, I mean, I, I just know Embiid's presence in the third game was so big that it feels like, but it feels like that. But I feel like Jimmy's been the most consistent player. Uh, I, I understand the team is always worried about Simmons going off, but I think that's what some that's some that's where someone like a Norman Powell could be very useful um, in matching that speed at least. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, if it doesn't work out, it's simple to change, but that's one, one matchup that I would definitely change. Um, you know, you can rotate, you can rotate Siakam onto Simmons, which I think is also, which I also think could help neutralize him a little bit, even with, uh, Siakam's hurt calf. I still think he can be effective there. And, uh, and, uh, you know, um, I think I, 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 I think that's it. I think Lowry is doing a really good job on Harris and on and on Reddick for the most part. And uh, Danny, you, you know, Danny's so interchangeable that it's it's hard to say put him on this person because really he could guard any of uh, of uh, Butler or uh, Tobias Harris. Uh, Thomas, what about you? Is there any kind of matchups that you want to see change over the course of this series? I think offensively, what we need to do would be just any way to get Jill Embiid off. Uh, Obviously, so far we've seen Embiid just sit at home and force Siakam to be a jump shooter. Obviously, that's not his game. Then maybe you bring in a screen and roll, maybe have some guard screen for him, just anything to get Embiid for Siakam because it will be worrying once he comes back to the middle. That's a great point. Uh, Embiid just really, if you look at, and I had a tweet earlier that I don't want to reference too much, but it was how how badly Embiid has slowed down Pascal to the rest of the team. He's Pascal has been pretty much neutralized whenever Embiid has guarded him. Matchup data could be a little fluky, but the eye test backs that up. He's sagging off pretty badly, asking for Pascal to shoot. Pascal had a couple plays in this game where I was just yelling at him to shoot the ball, but when you're kind of injured and your jumper's already not falling, I don't know if Pascal's definitely feeling the best about his jump shot, and when you're not feeling good about your jump shot, it's probably not going to go in. I would like to see them try to mismatch those minutes as much as possible. Siakam 
if he's going to play limited minutes, I'd like to see those minutes directly opposite of when Embiid is playing. Um, you know, if he's playing limited minutes there, Matt, how do you think that the Raptors can find a way to get him going offensively in the limited time he's on the court? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that mismatching Siakam's minutes is, is really important in this case because he's, you know, Embiid's the only player that he can't really post up or or really just drive into. And, and, and you know, one of the things that's so impressive for me about Pascal Siakam is how he just gets the angles right on his on his bank shots there at the at the hoop. But for me, too, I think, you know, we might have to give Siakam a little bit the ball a little bit more in the pick and roll. But I think it's really important. You know, sometimes Siakam's not the most patient guy in the pick and roll. And sometimes patience is really important. Um, he can be a full set of heme, uh, or full head of steam a little bit too much. But I think, yeah, you have to create those mis- those mismatches uh, any way you can. Even onto Simmons, I think that Siakam has been doing a really good job. But uh, staggering those minutes, getting him, uh, you know, getting him away from Embiid as much as possible. Uh, but, I mean, you know, credit to Embiid, too. Embiid has really taken uh, Siakam's speed and stride so uh and brett brown and brett brown is really you know doing interesting rotations with Embiid, where he'll play for two minutes and come out and maybe who knows he's trying to mess up casal and siakam rotations but uh yeah i think i think anything you can do you know pushing siakam out to the uh, out to the corner and getting a uh, off screen to get Embiid off of him is it, 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 anything you can do to get him open i think at this point is is what you do i'd like to see nurse use Siakam Moore is kind of the point man in a pick and roll and have him be the guy handling the ball. We haven't seen that so far, it, whether it's Lowry or whether it's even Kawhi Leonard, you know, setting a screen, hopefully forcing a switch where Embiid has to get on to Leonard. Thomas, do you think that Nurse is going to try to run a few more Siakam pick and rolls and perhaps if his jumper's struggling like this, they're Spain pick and rolls, but do you think that nurse is going to kind of go to that direction or do you think it's going to be more of what we've seen so far do i think so no do i hope so i really do i mean in the regular season pascal siakam was one of the better pick and roll ball handlers obviously it was a smaller sample size but i think if i could recall he sat around the 91st percentile obviously that gives him the option to kick the ball out obviously we've seen him drive to the rim time and time again and if someone like Kawhi is screening for him, even if Gasol, even if they go for a big, a big screen, I think it could work really well. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Matt. Is there anything kind of as we look forward to these next couple games where you're watching it, and if you see a margin one way or another that you you think that will give you a large percentage chance of who's won the game? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's three point percentage. Um, for us, right? Like, how many open threes did we miss in this game? Way too, I, I mean, I don't have the stat right up here, but, you know, way too many. And uh, the Raptors are still generating good looks from three. They're just not falling. And if we can, even if we see a few go in, I think that'd be huge for the team. It would just get them in rhythm and, and really it helps space the floor more because then the Raptors won't be so dead set on pushing, on pushing the paint. And I also think that they'll, you know, some of the decision making, some of the hesitation that they're making in shooting threes is it can be a little, you know, frustrating because hey, I've seen you make that shot a hundred times, right? So three point percentage, if that goes up overall, I can see the Raptors winning uh, a lot more games or Philadelphia too, right? So uh, either or, I think, but three point percentage is huge. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, rotations have been something that the Raptors, I think, have kind of overdone so far. They've over rotated the ball. 
you're right when you say that there's so many times that you're watching the game and you just think shoot the ball and instead it's an extra pass which by the time they pass Philly's so big and they close out so fast and rotate so hard that every time you make an extra rotation it just feels like you've given the defense a chance to kind of reset and catch their breath and slow you down. Thomas, is there anything that you're going to be watching kind of moving here forward? I don't think I can really add to that. Um, it's surprising that the Raptors actually won the bench minutes tonight by one point, but regardless, it still counts. Um, Mike Scott was nearly as effective for the Sixers, so I think they'll probably bounce back in style. James Ennis has had a really good series, which... There always seems to be one Raptors killer. If it's not Mike Scott, it's suddenly James Ennis. Three months ago, he didn't even seem like an NBA player, but <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> Greg Monroe, um, obviously he had only two points tonight. He's been very good in this series, but he was a minus 18 when he was on the court. I think that's probably going to settle back down now. He's probably around about where we expect him to be. Yeah, Greg Monroe having a good game in a playoff series was not something I expected to see as I ruse it. <laughs> mercilessly uh, crucified him throughout the season. Uh, yeah. it, it was really something to see, but you're right. This is more in line with what Greg Monroe is. He misses a lot of contested layups and gets killed defensively, and that's the Greg Monroe I was used to seeing. Um, what I think this is really going to come down to is can the Raptors just get one bench player to have, besides Serge Ibaka, whether it's Norman Powell, Patrick McCall, or Fred Van Vliet, they don't have to have a monster game, but if you can just give us you know, six points on three or four shooting or eight points here or something like that, I think it could really make the difference in the series. And Toronto's gotten nothing from their bench so far this series. And we thought that was an advantage coming in. We knew that the Raptors bench had struggled all season. But compared to the Philly unit, they seemed like they would have the upper hand. And so far, that certainly hasn't been the case. That They've been a huge disappointment. Matt, what's your prediction for Game 5? I am predicting a great bounce back game from the Raptors. I think they're going to feed off of the uh, the intensity from the you know from the crowd. I really feel like Toronto's going to bring it. I'm saying a 12 point Raptor win one one uh, one twelve one hundred. Thomas blowout. No. Uh, oh God. I think it will be a Raptors victory. I think Pascal Siakam is going to be healthy or closer to full health, and we're going to be at home. Probably a 12-point victory, holding the Sixers to under 100 points again. Yeah, I to me, it, I think I could see it swinging either way, where it's Toronto comes out hot and hits a couple three-pointers that they haven't been hitting so far this series and kind of pulls away early. But then I can also see the flip side where they continue to struggle and generate the offense some. For now, I'll say Toronto comes out hot, Philly battles back, and eventually the Raptors win by eight or so. But, you know, it basically to me is going to come down to, like Matt said, three-point shots and a little bit of what the bench can do. So it should be an exciting matchup. We survived, guys. The season was basically on the line. And now we at least live to fight another day. So thank you guys for coming on. I'll talk to you guys later. See you later. Thanks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.